up, Warriors fans? Wes Goldberg from the Mercury News here, bringing you a Friday episode of Locked on Warriors. You can subscribe to Locked on Warriors wherever you get podcasts for episodes every day, Monday through Friday. And on today's episode, I'll be joined by Brown Hillsman of the Warriors Huddle podcast. He and I went live on Locker Room on Thursday afternoon to talk about the five questions facing the Warriors right now, including whether or not they really were underdogs when Kevin Durant signed, and what we can expect from the front office this offseason, and if Clay Thompson can return to being peak Clay Thompson. That's all coming up here next. But first, let's talk about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. The NBA playoffs are on, and even though the Warriors aren't a part of it, you can be. Take a look at the spreads, the money lines, the over-unders, and more at Bet Online. And this week, we are 0-1 with a push let's try to come out even for the week for tonight i am looking at the denver nuggets minus one and a half right now at betonline.ag you can get the nuggets at minus one and a half one and a half point favorites over the phoenix suns phoenix is up 2-0 in the series they have looked like the superior team but the series is going back to denver the nuggets have the mvp and nikola Jokic. i think michael malone makes the right adjustments and i and i have a hard time Seeing them going down 0-3 in this series, even though I've, I I kind of like Phoenix in this series now, but uh, uh, I, I think Denver at minus one and a half, I'm still not all that confident in it. If they they could win just by one point here, but I like the money line at minus 120. So I'm gonna put my money on the money line minus 120 for the Denver Nuggets to win. Bet Online also covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets. It's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Asking for a Friend, the biggest questions facing the Warriors right now. I'm Wes Goldberg from Locked On Warriors here with Bram Hillsman of Warriors Huddle. Two great Warriors podcasts coming together to answer the biggest questions facing the Warriors and, and whatever else we decide to talk about. So, Bram and I will will talk, we'll go through the five questions that we have prepared, and then we'll open it up to some listeners here at the end of the show. We'll let you know when the Q&A session will start. But Bram, let's get going and, and jump right in. Our first of five questions. Number one, were the Warriors really underdogs, as Kevin Durant claims, before KD signed here? Before I answer that, let me first give you some credit where credit is due. That was super professionally handled. I mean, like Wes and I literally just came up with the the title of this segment, its concept, and you probably wouldn't think that the way that Wes just fired through that intro, man. So really nicely played. (laughs) And do you mind if I give you – I'm a little distracted. Can I give you some non-basketball news really quickly and then answer your question? Of course. I, I uh, am back in downtown San Francisco. I'm back in my office, which is open back up. But these guys gave me a new office. I'm now in a place that has windows that face out of the street, which I thought really? was nothing but upside. Exactly right. But today, a homeless man was nice enough to not only look through my windows, or at least that's what I thought he was doing, but then started pissing on my window, Wes, while legitimately <laughs> making eye contact with me. So, like, I'm all fucked up, man. Like, I was ready for today. I had some notes. And now I'm a little discombobulated, you know. So if I just stop talking, it's because the psychological stress has finally gotten to me. Um, your question. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. I Like, that is among the most San Francisco things I think I've ever heard. It's a city that always smells a little bit like piss, if not a lot of bit like piss, depending on what part of the city you're in. And you just, and you, you saw why you saw the germination of exactly why it is that it smells the way it does. Oh, and the interesting thing, I thought that, you know, this must be like a one way window or something. You know what I mean? Like there's some reason why this guy's doing this and not feeling bad about it, but then he made long and direct prolonged eye contact while continuing to piss. And there's no way the kind of like soul to soul contact we had during that eye contact could have happened had it been a one way window. So yes, man, 
weird morning. Uh, were the Warriors underdogs? No, no. Of course they were not underdogs. They're coming off a 73-win season. They were beginning, you know, they, they weren't dynastic. They weren't the team that they became once Durand joined them. I mean, they, they certainly got a lot better. But unless people are using the phrase underdog in a way that I am you know, just not familiar with at all, I, yeah, I don't think you can call them underdogs. No, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. I don't know if KD was rationalizing after the fact of what he, he has said before that he would not have signed with the Warriors had they beaten Cleveland in those finals, right? Uh, in, after that 73-win season. But they won 73 games. That's a record last I checked. Uh, they had the two-time MVP on the team. They were the darlings of the NBA, absolutely favored in every single series that they played in, even though they lost in the finals. Uh, they were favored in that series. I, I, I don't really understand the comment by Kevin Durant. Like, I, I, maybe what he meant, and maybe he didn't word it the right way, maybe he just didn't say it as well enough as he wanted to, where, hey, the war. he, he mentioned how the Warriors, even before the year's you know, uh, before the finals for 50 years, they were, you know, basically a, a lousy franchise that couldn't win anything. All right. I guess. But like, if you wanted to, it, in some respects that makes sense, but like you could have just stayed in Oklahoma city. If, if that was the case, if you wanted to stay with a team that has no history of winning at a high level, then you could have just stayed with the thunder. So I don't really, would, did, did you want to stay with an underdog and kind of create a, a, an atmosphere and a culture and a history of winning? Or did you want to join the team that just got won 73 games, got to the finals, and would give you another chance to get to the finals where it very clearly wasn't happening in Oklahoma City? Absolutely right. And here, I'll, I'll phrase it this way. I mean, all of these decisions, what people decide to do for a living, what team they want to go play for if they're a professional athlete, they're all personal calls, right? And we'll never really see the decision-making that goes into it because that's all internal. It's all mind games. But there are times when you can follow logic paths, you know, where there's objective realities. LeBron goes back to Cleveland. Well, I can understand that. He's from there. He, he got his titles in Miami. He wanted to come back and contribute to his hometown. I can see the objective line. When you're talking about Durant's decisions, and again, it's his call. I, I can't celebrate him leaving OKC to come to Golden State, then turn around and give him crap about going to Brooklyn. It's his call. But the thing that has never been true about Durant's decisions is there being some kind of objective logic line you know they, <laughs> they don't make sense that's just not what happens and so if the logic line he's giving us now is oh I went to Golden State because they were underdogs no that doesn't make any sense to me there's no logic there if you're Steph if you're Draymond if you're Clay if you're Steve Kerr and you hear that if you're Joe Lakeup and you hear that in that interview are you insulted if if that had come out the year after he joined us, yes, absolutely. Maybe not insulted, but at least confused. What the hell is going on here? Am I insulted now? No. You know, after, I mean, how many ridiculous things have we heard come out of the Durant camp since he was here in Golden State? This certainly isn't the first. So, you know, at this point, I, I, I maybe raise an eyebrow to it. I notice it, but I'm not hurt by it. You know, the next time Kyrie Irvin says some crazy shit about it being a flat earth, I'm not going to be surprised or hurt by that either. You know, he's, he's kind of created a reputation around saying things like this. Joe Lacob has never considered himself an underdog since, or I shouldn't say never, but it's been a very long time since he's been wealthy. He has not considered himself an underdog. And in, in fact, I would say his entire disposition is about not being the underdog. It's about being <laughs> the favorite in almost everything that he does. He believes that everything he touches turns to gold. And while that's not, 100% true, it's not that close to being false. It's much closer to being true than it is false. That guy is a genius businessman. Think whatever you will of him. Uh, he's had a ton of success in his professional career. For I would be a little insulted, even right now, if Kevin, if it's like, oh, okay, you can say this, you know, two years, two years since leaving, uh, and and after, you know, the after a 2019 finals loss, and then and then you go to Brooklyn and all these things. Look, maybe not out of being bitter. But, okay, now you want to turn around and say we were underdogs before you got here? Like, what does that make the rest of us? You know, you think you got here, made us go to the finals for five straight years and then – or four straight years for KD, and then and then you leave and we haven't been to the finals since? Like, I would be a little insecure about that. 
I think that's a great take. I think that then let's um, add some objective, obvious evidence to it. When they were super successful and everybody knew that the Warriors were successful, so successful that the Wall Street Journal does a profile on, uh, on Joe Lacob. Did he come out and say we were light years behind? No, <laughs> hell no, he didn't. He went out of his way to tell everybody we're light years ahead or put differently at a time where they're at the top of the mountain, scream to everybody, we're at the top of the mountain. This is not a guy who wants to be viewed as an underdog. This is a guy no. who wants to be, you know, put on a pedestal by everybody. So yeah, he built I mean, a pyramid. Yeah, okay, there you go. Um, and, and this is random, but you're the perfect person to ask. Uh, earlier this week in another podcast, we were asking first whether or not we're the type of people who would sneak in to locations without paying. And then we stopped it and we started doing it with players. Would Curry sneak into a place without paying? Would Clay? The last one we did was Lakeham. Do you think at any point, because Lakeham I'm sure has had means throughout his life, do you think that Lakeham's the type of personality who would sneak into something without actually paying for it? You know, like a game or a movie or something like that. Joe Lakeham is the type of person who doesn't, who has so wealthy that he forgets money matters, right? And so I don't think he would steal something or sneak into something without paying on purpose. He would just simply forget that money is an object that is scarce and that the, yeah. it, 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 any level of scarcity is involved with money. And so he would just sort of, you know, uh, uh, just forget that, oh, that's right. I need money to do this this thing. And here's the $200 it takes to get into this thing. That money does not matter to me, even in the littlest bit. I'll never miss that $200. In fact, I didn't even know I had that particular $200. So here it is. And if you want another $200, here's that from my mistake. Uh, and here's a $100 tip on top. Like I just – to me, it's just – when you get that level of wealthy, then money just simply becomes just like – it's just like an entry pass into things. And sometimes you probably just forget. And he's probably at this level of wealthy, and if he's in the Bay Area, probably just gets a bunch of stuff handed to him for free anyway. So, so I'm sure he has a hard time remembering what he has to pay for and what he doesn't. Like, I feel yes, bad for him, really. Yeah, well, there, there you go. There's a part <laughs> that I, I do not agree with. Uh, but yeah, I can see that happening. Like getting up from a table uh, at a you know, after dinner and not paying for it, not because he wants to do like a dine and dash, simply because he forgot that, you know, you have to put down a card. He would think it's cute. Like, oh, yeah, we have to pay for these things. And then as his assistant, right. whose only job it is. When he pays in cash, he says, card. when he pays in cash, he says, hey, honey, look at this. And then puts like $300 <laughs> bills on the table. Well, he says, hey, honey, look at this, and then claps twice. And the one guy whose job it is to just carry around cash scurries up to the table and drops it on the bill. Right. And it's just, and, you know, I, I think of that arrested development line uh, with the mom, RIP. She goes, what's a banana? $10? Like, he, he's like, he'll probably drop like, you know, $200 on the table. And his wife is like, this is a Wendy's. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and why are you ordering bananas at Wendy's? <laughs> Let's go to our next question. Uh, can we trust the front office to make the most of this offseason? I've got a passionate response on this one, and it's going to take a little while. Do you want to go first, or should I dig in? With that kind of tease, you have to go first. Boom. Then my, my short answer is ap-so-fucking-lutely. All right? Now, let me give you a longer answer, because I understand where this is coming from. And this one was my question, right? So do I have the same level of trust in this front office that I did in 2019 when they were coming off of two straight titles? No, of course not. You know, and, and did they nail the 2020 pick with James Wiseman? Again, no, of course not. We know for sure that he didn't immediately contribute. I'll take it a step further. The, the Warriors got better when their draft pick, the number two overall, got hurt. So do I understand the concern that's, that's you know, being levied at these guys? Yes, I do. But I think it's more of a symptom of how entitled our fan base became after we had five straight runs to the finals than it is for any reason for us to be worried about Bob, or Bob Myers and company. Here's a list. All right. So Myers joins the Warriors in April of 2011. He's, he's an assistant to Larry Riley. And then the very next year becomes the, the full GM, even though it was only supposed to be uh, – or he was only supposed to be assistant for longer than that one year. Here's a list of the players that they acquired during his tenure today. Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Harrison Barnes, Andre Iguodala, Sean Livingston, Kevin Durant, Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins. Those are just the highlights. 
During that stretch, West, they go to the finals five times. They win three titles. They change the conception of who the Golden State Warriors were. We were a laughing stock. When people talked about free agents coming onto the market, the Warriors weren't one of the names that got listed. The Warriors are one of the people that, uh, that free agents came to after all the other teams had picked the free agent market clean. You know, we got the Danny Fortsons of the world. So where we are now is entirely different. Do, have they nailed every single pick? Are there, are there reasons, you know, that we can be a little bit concerned? Sure. But the idea to have, you know, completely turn your back and not trust a front office at this point after two seasons that were injury marred is bananas to me, is bananas. So I, I think they deserve our trust and I think they deserve our patience. They, they get at least another couple off seasons before we even consider worrying about them. Yeah, this idea that Bob Myers or anybody is on the hot seat right now is ridiculous. Like you, you just came off five straight finals. You missed the offs. You missed the postseason twice in a row. But in one of those years, Steph didn't play barely, and in both of those years, Clay didn't play. All right, so no, there's nobody on the hot seat right now. And I think a lot of there's you know there's there are fans who have a concern with Bob Myers and even and Steve Kerr and and the job that they've done over the last couple of years, but. You know, I think fans tend to focus on the misses a little bit more. Like they focus on the Alan Smilegiches and the Jacob Evans more than they focus on the Eric Pascals and the Jordan Pools and and these kinds of guys. And by the way, this is still the front office that found Draymond Green in the second round, right? To your point, like you get a lot of credit for that. And I know it's been a while since you found anybody like Draymond Green in the second round, but guess what? The la- the, the only other player with net nearly as, as successful drafted in the second round since Draymond Green has been Nikola Jokic. Okay. There's just not a lot of players you find in the second round, even getting Eric Pascal, if he flames out, never is a, a productive player in the NBA. Again, even getting one year production out of a second round pick is a win. You know, uh, it is hard to draft. It, it, that's the second round. I'm, you're drafting at the bottom of the first round for five straight years. You don't get guys at the bottom of the first round. Like first round picks are not created equal. You know, the top 15 is very different than the bottom 15. You very rarely find uh, contributors in the bottom 15 of a draft. So I, I, I think that with the, the, the number two pick that turned into James Wiseman, Bob Myers could ultimately be judged by that, right? But we, it's too soon to tell on James Wiseman. Very, very, too, very, very much too soon. Um, so trust, there, there's two things in that question, and it's the question that you came up with. Uh, can we trust the front office to make the most – of this offseason. Trust is one of those parts, and I think you're right. They, they've already earned the trust. They have it until proven otherwise. Then there's the other part, the, the other part of that question. Make the most of this offseason. All right, hmm. well, let's define that. What is make the most of this offseason? Is make the most out of this offseason land a superstar? Is make the most out of this offseason sign a player to a max contract? Well, to the latter point, no, because you don't have max cap space. You have yeah. no cap space, in fact. Uh, I think make the, the if you were to make the most of this offseason, then one of these lottery picks would end up in the top five. You would you would you would be you would be fortunate enough and lucky enough to uh, facilitate a sign and trade with Kelly Oubre, and then you would be fortunate and lucky enough to sign one of these maybe many ring chasers that are going to be free agents. But that's a big – those are a lot of big ifs that we're involving here, right? There's a lot of things that are out of this front office who we trust out of their control completely. Uh, yeah. So I don't – I think when we talk about making the most of it, we'll see where this draft pick ends up on June 22nd on the draft lottery. That will answer a big question for, for us, whether or not they have one or two picks and where, where, where those picks end up being. Uh, chances are it will end up at seven or eight and, and number 14. If that's the case – if the Kelly Oubre thing doesn't work out, and I think a lot of Warriors fans are taking for granted just how difficult it will be to facilitate a sign-and-trade with Oubre, uh, then basically you're looking at, all right, you got to nail the mid-level exception, whoever you signed for $5.9 million, and you got to hit on those draft picks, and those draft picks have to show promise, or you have to trade those picks with something or just trade those players that you selected in those spots for more immediate contributors. That, to me, is how you can make the most of this offseason. Do I trust the Warriors to do that? I don't know. I think this is a tightrope that they're walking. Uh, I will say this. If they do nail this offseason, 
and they get probably three guys who can be in your night tonight rotation. If they could do that this offseason, then Bob Myers and that front office have gained a lot more trust and a lot more rope, and they would have had nailed the most pivotal offseason of their tenures. Everything you just said, I essentially agree with. And <clears throat> if I'm going to give Golden State any crap or their front office any crap over the last few years, it's all on last year. And this isn't new. You and I have talked about it a few times. It's that they had more than one stated goal as the season rolled on, which is an impossible thing for a franchise. They wanted to both develop the future and seize the present. And I think they realized that's not going to work. Um, you know, when they were trying to develop Wiseman, the team went nowhere. And when the team was going somewhere, they weren't developing Wiseman. So if I'm worried about anything, it's defining their goals this offseason. And I really hope that they don't want to have their cake and eat it too, right? But if they can do that, if they can, in fact, agree on a single goal, then the decisions they have made in the past make me feel confident that they're going to make the right moves to meet that goal. And I, I, it's almost a backwards analysis, Wes. Yeah. This team was so bad, man. I The one thing I knew as an old-school Warrior fan going into every offseason was that you could not trust the front office. You could not, under any circumstance, whatever decision they made, we were going to be screwed, which, by the way, was one of the reasons I thought it was insane that Gary St. Jean was on the telecast for as long as he did. <laughs> having St. Jean on the telecast for the Warriors was like having Bernie Madoff on a stock advice show. It was like, you know, why the hell would we want to hear from you? <laughs> but now that we have moved on, right, and, and there is reasons that we can be optimistic about their decision-making, you know, they're, again, I trust them, but we'll see because what you are saying is on the money. Um, the decisions they make now – are going to have implications for a long time for this franchise. I would like to set the record straight on one thing that is sort of this narrative that's out there. This idea that is out there is that this front office and this coaching staff are having a hard time balancing the present and the future. Do you think Steve Kerr gives a damn about what his roster is in 2028? And to that point, do you think Bob Myers cares at all? Because I don't. This, I, no, look, I, I am not like reporting it. this, but I am just it's all, it's all like, like let's, let yeah, it's Joe Lakeup. Let's you let's put our logic hats on here for a second and think about what the 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 current lifespan is for a bas- an NBA GM and an NBA head coach. They don't care what this team looks like in 2028. They don't. They're trying to win right now just to keep their jobs because they might not have those jobs back then. Steve Kerr, by the way, doesn't need any of this. He can retire right now and do anything else that he wants. He is more than qualified to do politics, whatever else he wants to do. He doesn't. He go back to TNT and have a cake job, uh, and and maybe hopefully replace Reggie Miller. But I, it, this comes from Joe Lakeup, who, like I said, just built a pyramid, and he needs to fill that pyramid uh, with with uh, happy, paying fans. In, and he is thinking long term, and I disagree with that logic. I think if you just win another title with Steph Curry, the karma that you get by doing that will fill those seats for years and years and years. But he, I, it comes from Joe Lakeup. All this stuff about trying to balance the future with the present, this James Wiseman stuff, all this stuff. I think there's a direction. It comes from him. Um, I'm not reporting that. I'm just using my logic at. I'm just, you know, that's that's it. That's all I'm saying. Uh, it makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense to me. Next question. The uh, the five most ridiculous names that have been mentioned in your mentions to you, maybe some that you've come up with, Bram, the five most ridiculous names mentioned in trade thoughts, rumors, proposals, hypotheticals, etc. so far. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? I'll start you off, and it's an easy one. DeMontis Sabonis. Yeah, um, I know – I mean, and I was hoping to give you a bunch of Indiana Pacer names just to bother you. Cause it would have been very funny if you about. came into this segment with just five Indiana Pacers. If you just named their starting lineup, that would have been very, very funny. You don't have to call out my jokes before they happen. Don't worry <laughs> about it. I mean, here's one of my names. We'll see what the uh, what the next one's reach. But the Does it rhyme with context, uh, Tiles Murner? I mean, it might, but uh, there's the a bonus thing. So – if from a Golden State perspective, why would I want him? Well, for all the reasons that Indiana was going to say no and what makes it a ridiculous answer. 
if everything works out for Wiseman the way we hope it will, you know who he might become? DeMontis Sabonis. If I am Indiana and I'm already holding on to the ceiling version of young James Wiseman, who's already dealing with, you know, maybe some injury concerns, why the hell would I say, yep, bring that guy in? So I, I understand the appeal. I'm on board, but it's a ridiculous suggestion. There is no way it's going to happen. Um, I don't I, – I have, and you know this, boycotted Indiana Pacers trade ideas because this thought that they, because they were unhappy with their head coach that they were going to blow this team up never made any sense. That jump in logic was so ridiculous. Like people are like, oh, they want to fire their head coach, Bjorken, Borsten, whatever his name is. Uh, they're going to fire him, and then therefore they're going to blow the whole thing up. First of all, if you've ever paid any attention to Indiana Pacers basketball, even superficially, just from the, from the West Coast – if you know anything about the Pacers, you know that they have never tanked because they can't afford it because they're a small market team. And small markets team teams cannot tank the way that a team like Philadelphia can or New York can. Not that New York tanked, they just sucked by accident. But um, I, I, the, the idea that they would then trade Sabonis and all these other players because they're unhappy with their head coach, hey, guess what? Fire the head coach and then problem solved. And then you get to keep all your good players and you don't have to tank and lose off on potential playoff revenue. And you know what happened? They fired their head coach. They did it this week, Bram. And they're not going to trade any of these guys. Now, if they do trade anybody, it would be Miles Turner, not Sabonis. Because why would you trade the player that you're building around? Sabonis is the player you're building around, as is Malcolm Brogdon, which is one of the guys on my list. But uh, if you're going to trade any of them, it would be Miles Turner. And the only reason you would trade Miles Turner is because you have a, a duplication, a redundancy in the front court. Turner and Sabonis are basically centers. All right, so if you're going to trade one of them, if you're going to split up your twin tower situation, then why would you do it for another center who is not as good right now as those other centers when you're a team that famously does not tank and does not want to take a step back? It never made any sense to me. It never made it. Oh, and then, okay, well, why don't you trade Andrew Wiggins there? Why would the Pacers want Andrew Wiggins? Like, what? nobody's dying for Andrew Wiggins. Why would they trade Miles Turner for Andrew Wiggins? Why would they trade Sabonis for Andrew Wiggins? They're not doing that. Like, get out of here. There is not a single player on the Indiana Pacers that is going to end up on the on the Warriors next season. I promise you. I promise you that. I genuinely wish I had four other Pacer names for you here. If nothing else, just to really stoke the fires of Dark West. Angry Wes on this podcast might be my favorite member of it. So, I mean, oh, hold on to the dark side. What's here? Let's fuel it. Give me a name from your list. Let's see how fired up we can get you. Uh, well, I already gave you Malcolm Brogdon, so I'm going to scratch that out. Here's a new one. Brandon Ingram, get out of my mentions with Brandon Ingram trade ideas. <laughs> I, again, I ask you, if you're a Warriors fan, that before you hit send on your tweet, just please put yourself in the shoes of the other team and say, why on earth would I trade this player to that team for this package? And so how many Andrew Wiggins plus draft pick trade ideas have I gotten for Brandon Ingram? The answer, Bram, is a bajillion, a countless amount. I have heard it nonstop. I don't know where this comes from. I don't know why people think that the Pelicans are going to trade Brandon Ingram. And if they do, why they would trade him to the Warriors. Okay, is Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson a perfect fit? No, it's not. But neither is Steven Adams and Zion Williamson. Neither is Lonzo Ball and Zion Williamson. But you know where the Pelicans are right now? And we don't care about that right now. Let's just get the best players possible and then figure out who we're building around after those players hit their primes and all those things. And if they even were to break up Brandon Ingram for Zion Williamson, you think they would downgrade? You think they want to just split up things? Like this idea that you could trade Andrew Wiggins in a draft pick and that somehow equals the value that you're getting from Brandon Ingram. If you're the Pelicans and you're looking for a co-star to Zion Williamson, it makes no sense. You know who fits worse with Zion Williamson than Brandon Ingram? Andrew Wiggins. Ingram's a better outside shooter than Wiggins. 38% oh, last all. year. Doesn't mean that he's going to – with Steph and Draymond passing to him, doesn't mean he's going to shoot 38% when he's playing next to Zion who can't space the floor. It's probably going to look more like he did in Minnesota. So get out of here with the Brandon Ingram trade ideas. I'm going to agree with you, but first a follow-up question. Is bajillion a real number? Uh, it's Look, I can't count higher than like – I can't – I look, I took finite <laughs> mathematics which is. In, in college just to never be done with it. I was not ready for that question. Well, to, to, for, for, you know, to my defense, you grilled me on what instrument Mozart played in a previous podcast. So the least you could do is come out with real numbers here. But of course what you're saying is right. 
Um, and I'll take it not a step further. I'll just add one of the things I'm getting because I've seen these Ingram things is people explain to me, well, here's why they need to trade Ingram. He's clogging up the paint. He wants the ball. He, he is taking shots away from Zion and their future. Let's give them Wiseman. Let's give them Wiggins. Let's take that burden away. Well, all you're doing is, is creating the exact same logjam. You're creating the exact same problem. So you can't right. identify a problem and then solve that problem with the same problem. Those things do not match. And hopefully this will get you even angrier um, because this one was remarkably asinine. It came to me. Wait, wait, wait. Before, before we move on from Ingram, because we have a comment here. Tommy Gunn says uh, the reason why Brian Ingram is coming up because Ingram isn't happy and they can reset on the Zion timeline. Um, the Zion timeline is not dependent on his age. The Zion timeline is dependent on how good he is. And he was an all NBA caliber player this year. Zion is ready to win right now. I don't know if he's ready to win a championship, but he hasn't made the playoffs yet. And the Pelicans want to make the playoffs. Zion wants to make the playoffs. So to reset the timeline doesn't make sense to add more Jackson Hayes level players to that roster doesn't make sense. You're trying to find a co-star. And again, to Tommy's thing here, uh, summation of this podcast, Warriors aren't trading for anybody. Um, there's other Pelicans that I think are definitely tradable that I, I think are the Warriors could acquire. I think Eric Bledsoe is a guy. I think Lonzo Ball, he's a restricted free agent. I don't like. I, I don't want to get into all the sign and trade dyna- dynamics of that and whether or not the Warriors can do it or not. But maybe he's somebody that the Warriors could target. Like there's guys that I think could be gettable from the Pelicans, just not Brandon Ingram. We, but you want to move on to all last podcast, we came up with three or four trade opportunities, right, that we thought that they yeah. might be able to go after. It's not that there's not names out there. And as far as resetting the timeline, what my concern would be, we haven't heard this yet. We will very soon. Dallas and Luca, you know, that they if if Luca starts looking around and doesn't immediately see a path to a title and, and unique greatness in Dallas, you know what he's not going to do? Stay in fucking Dallas. And if I'm Zion and they suddenly reset everything around me more than once and my mm-hmm. contract starts coming up, you know, the, the, the last thing I want if I'm a Pelicans fan is any uncertainty whatsoever about why Zion is going to stay. And, you know, if they're, if they're resetting, you might create that uncertainty. But let right. me give you this other name because the other name is Zion. I had a guy write me an email, Rick in Santa Cruz. I literally wrote it down. Quote, I can't believe no one has suggested this since the numbers match perfectly. Wiseman and uh, Damian Lee for Zion. Who says no? Well, Rick in Santa Cruz, who says no? Fucking everybody. Everybody says no. There's not one. I mean, there's no, well, I'm sorry. Everybody in New Orleans yes. says no as quickly as you can possibly make that call. Wow. Um, and I, I, you know, I mean, this guy, he's, he's got balls, you know, and, and he clearly understands the salary cap, I guess. But the reason no one has suggested this man is because it's bananas. How about we trade for, you know, we get our, our hands on a time machine and bring back prime Jordan, you know, cause it'd be just about as realistic as bringing in Zion. I don't think any of my names can top that the who says no thing is the perfect punchline <laughs> it's, it's so good uh here's another one jeremy grant um from the detroit pistons i think that there is a tendency and i don't mean to just hate on warriors fans i don't really mean for this segment to become that even though i should be smarter and realize it every fan base does this and and let me hedge it i the i have been a warriors fan for three decades the vast majority of Warrior fans, including, I am sure, everybody on this call listening and everyone listening to the podcast is knowledgeable, is intelligent, generally speaking, is realistic, you know, but all of those things are not entertaining for the purposes of a podcast. What this no. section is, is celebrating you guys. You guys would never make offers like this, and other people have, and it's worth highlighting their occasional stupidity. Back to you. Yeah, I think we should just name all these people Rick from Santa Cruz. Rick from Santa Cruz. Yeah, I think, yeah. Santa Cruz Rick has, you know, he's made some, he's made some mistakes in his life. Who hasn't, Wes? That's right. Uh, Jeremy Grant makes no sense. I don't know why it is that people think this team sucks, We so we are able to now get their best player. That logic makes no sense. Teams that suck don't always blow it up. In fact, I would say rarely do teams that suck blow it up. Like this idea that teams blow it up all the time, it's far less common for a team to just blow it up. Then, then I think the the sentiment is that's out there. Uh, the Pistons put all of their money 
on Jeremy Grant. They were betting all their chips on Jeremy Grant. In fact, they were cool with buying out Blake Griffin, who had they, they, they previously put all their chips on. They moved the chips off of the Blake Griffin square and onto the Jeremy Grant square because they are so confident in Jeremy Grant. And by the way, Jeremy Grant had a damn good year for Detroit, which is why all these Warriors fans want to trade for him. Uh, the Pistons aren't trading their only good player. It's not happening. They're trying to get back to the playoffs. They suck. Why would they trade their best player if they suck? That doesn't make any sense to me. I think what they were trying to do is get rid of their bad players so that they become less sucky, not their good players so that they become more sucky. Like this, it's, it's just like this weird logic that's out there. Not only are the Warriors not getting Jeremy Grant, no team is getting Jeremy Grant. That's not the Pistons. The Pistons have Jeremy Grant. They're keeping him, at least for the time being, because that was their big win. That was their big move. They got a new GM, Troy Weaver. That was his big move, was getting Jeremy Grant. They're not calling it quits on him for no reason. They were bad. Jeremy Grant was very good. He is the guy they are building around so they could be not bad anymore. Somewhere Rick in Santa Cruz is furious at you and me and doesn't understand why we can't see the obvious trades that are laying out there in front of us. Um, let me boil it down to a single question for you. Back from the bizarre and to the realistic. Don't, don't give me a name. I mean, we'll, we've got a lot of podcasts in front of us. I'm sure we'll chase them down. But if you had to bet something super significant to you, a rent payment, a mortgage payment, something legitimate, would you bet that the Golden State Warriors make a trade this offseason? Yeah, I would bet that they make some kind of trade. I don't know that it's going to land the kind of thing that Warriors fans are going to do cartwheels over, but I would probably bet in some way, shape, or form they do some kind of trade to get something. Uh, a weird way to phrase it, but over under $13 million a year, how much money will that player earn? You know, Because that's, that's a way under. to get the caliber of player under. Exactly. Under. Yeah. And we will, I mean, one of our questions I'm sure in the future will be who will the Warriors trade for? We did one of those last week. So I'm, I'm positive that we'll cover that segment as well. Uh, let's go on to the next question. Um, will Clay ever be Clay again? What do you think? Good and bad news on this one. Let's start with the bad. No, um, I don't think that Clay is ever going to be the same athlete. He was the exact same professional he was after these two injuries. You don't go through a left ACL tear and a right Achilles tear and come back as the same person. Good news. I do think Clay is going to come back by the playoffs at least and be the guy they need him to be for the Warriors to be contenders again. And, and there's a few reasons for that. First and foremost, it was never Clay's athleticism that led to his success. You know, he wasn't dunking on people to put up the 27-point quarter. It's always been his quick release, knowledge of the game, and the spacing that he creates. That will still be there. And then as far as physically, this will come as a shock to you, Wes. I have not spent a single minute in medical school. I don't know shit about orthopedic specialty uh, medicine and probably couldn't tell you the impact on the physiology of the body. But I can't. Does the guy pissing on your window know anything? Can you ask him? Uh, you know, I do know. Yeah, okay, that's that's unfair. I did learn a little bit about the male anatomy um, earlier today, but that's not going to help us. That's not going to help us in any way for this conversation. But I have watched KD pretty pretty closely. Yeah? yeah, and even though he missed a number of regular season games and you know had to take some time off, now that the playoffs have started, who are we seeing? We're seeing Kevin Durant. He's he's averaging more than thirty five minutes a night. He'd probably be averaging more than that if they hadn't been blowing people out. And he's doing all the things they need him to do from an athletic standpoint, more than they're going to ask uh, Clay to do. So I get it. There's there's two injuries, not one, but there's enough reasons for me to think, yeah, yeah there, there's a future to look forward to here for Clay. I think the Kevin Durant comparison is really is a really good one and you don't look everybody's bodies are very different right especially clay and kevin durant those bodies are very different but wouldn't you argue that kevin durant's body would probably be harder to bounce back from that kind of achilles tear than clay thompson's body like kevin durant's seven foot one lanky not a lot of weight on it but very but kind of like weird top heavy weird weight uh all that stuff and like you and like you said he wants to run pick and roll. He wants to handle the ball. He needs his athleticism. He likes to dunk. He likes to cut. He likes to do all those things. Uh, Clay Thompson's not trying to do that. I think Clay can be Clay. I'm actually very optimistic that Clay can be Clay. No, it won't be right away because he's also not just the Achilles air, but the, 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 the ACL tear. And then two years of not playing, he's going to be rusty. It's going to look weird. And I'm already telling you now, I, I just, you're going to see so many columns and articles written. 
I promise I will not write any of these uh, about did Clay lose it? Can he ever be back, back to what it was? Because he's going to look awful when it first begins. Probably, right? Odds are he's not going to look great. And nobody can blame him. He hasn't played on an NBA in an NBA game for two years. Uh, so whatever. But you're right. By the playoffs, can he get back to what he was? I think he can for all the reasons that you said. Uh, my thing is when he went down in 2019, he was, I think, I, I think he was starting to take a little, like a mini leap into a better version of Clay than we'd ever seen. And that would have served the Warriors really well the last couple of years because Kevin Durant was gone either way. And if you were able to get more from Clay Thompson than you did previously to help replace what, what you lost when Durant walked away, that would have been huge for the Warriors in trying to extend that dynasty. I don't think we ever see that version of Clay. That I think that's what we were robbed of. That mini leap that he was about to take in 2019 because he said those that was the best basketball he's ever played in 2019. We were seeing him do things in the post. We were even seeing him do some playmaking and things like that that we just hadn't seen before. Um, I think we were robbed of that mini leap version of Clay. I do wow. think we can get the version of Clay that we were accustomed to seeing for most of you know his, his tenure during those finals runs. I think we can get something very, very close to that because he still is going to be able to hit threes. He's still going to have the quick release. Uh, he's still Clay Thompson, so he's going to be helpful just out of a, a reputation factor, spacing the floor and things like that. I don't know that defensively he'll be ever he'll be what he was before, but that's why you get Andrew Wiggins, and I think Andrew Wiggins is going to take on that role of guarding you know the number one scoring option on the other team so that Clay Thompson could take a little bit more of a backseat on defense because I don't know that that lateral quickness will be there at least right away. Um, but I think we're going to get something very close on defense and we're going to get something very close on offense to what we, what we saw before. Well, hopefully Wiseman's rim protection is also another reason why we don't mm-hmm. use lateral quickness. Um, and as far as him not coming back as Clay immediately, I don't think there's anybody who has ever worked in a job for a long period of time who can identify with that. I'll keep it personal. I don't know what the line is, maybe like three, four days, maybe a little bit longer, but there's a certain amount of time on my vacation. If, if I am out of my job, my normal day job for a long enough period of time, when I come back from that vacation, I'm secretly thinking, can I even do this anymore? <laughs> you know, like, I'm not even really sure of like how to do my day to day. And I slowly figure it out. And there's no reason that would not be true for professional athletes. Of course, he's going to be rusty in the beginning. That is just part of the show. Um, I took a week off as soon as the season was over from writing. And I had to get back on to writing the next week. And I honestly was like, I don't remember ever writing anything in my entire life. Like, how do, <laughs> yeah, how do I do this? I, I feel like, yep, I not only associate, I feel like they're finally going to figure out that I've been a fraud this whole time. <laughs> you know, like I, I, like, I can't even pretend anymore. Like, oh, they're going to ask me some question. I, I have no idea how to yeah. answer it. I'm like, I, do I even work here still? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> all right. Last questions to you, Bram. Ah, sorry. I thought you were going to ask it. Got you. Uh, oh, no. yep, yep. I got it. And I'm going to frame it a little bit different. So. The one we talked about, this is kind of a personal one. And uh, on the Huddle podcast, we take questions from the audience and we encourage kind of invasive personal ones. So this is in that exact same vein, but I'm going to bring it back to the Warriors and make it a twofold question. So the question itself is, what is something you do alone that is either embarrassing or would surprise somebody? And I'm going to take it a step further. I'm going to answer that. And then I'm going to go further and ask you, what warrior on this team do you think does shit alone that is the most surprising mm. or the most embarrassing on the team to make you feel better about maybe giving us an embarrassing example? Here's a couple of things for me. Uh, one, did I have an entertainment problem, like a real entertainment problem? If, if I am not being entertained at every single moment of my life, I kind of panic. If I don't have something to read while I'm going to the bathroom, for example, I've had moments where I've read the back of a shampoo bottle. I've read the same shampoo bottle more than once, Wes. I read in the shower if need be. And, and I'll, I'll take it a step further. Those aren't the only embarrassing things. I have, and uh, podcast listeners have heard this before, I have done that thing where you pass a stranger on the street and you do that kind of imperceptible head nod where you're saying what's up and then got to whatever location I was going to thought better of the look like, Oh, did that look weird? And then gone into the bathroom and redid that look just to see how, how it, how it played with the stranger. So, you know, dude, like I am, 
I am absolutely uh, on board for strange things. Um, I've got some Warriors players to guess on, but let me – I'll pause for a okay. second. What do you got, man? What, what kind of crazy shit are you doing alone? So you, you texted me this question uh, so that I could prepare for it, and the first thing that came to mind was something that I don't find is surprising if people know me, but when I tell people that I do this, they find it surprising almost every single time they find out that I do this and it's shave my chest. I shave my chest. And, no, no, <laughs> and I think if you weird. know, I'm surprised. No, I think if you know anything about me, you'd be like, yeah, that checks out. If you've been to my apartment and you're like, yeah, this guy's got like several throw pillows in a manly apartment, like him <laughs> shaving his chest is the least surprising thing about him. Uh, but I, <laughs> there's a lot, I know there's a lot. Unless, of I found, unless I found out that you were a professional swimmer, you know, or like you're like about to go race at like the Tour de France or something. I don't know if there's any piece of information I would know about you that makes me think, oh, you know what? This guy probably shaves his chest. So, no, I am surprised. Man. You I'm are. Absolutely. Everybody's surprised. Is it weird? I mean, I would love to hear from the listeners, at least in the chat here. Is it strange that I shave my chest? I, I like it. I don't mind it's smooth. You, I find it, it doesn't itch. Strange. Oh. <laughs> well, as, as, a, uh, as a Jewish American, although I know you are too, yeah. I, I can only – if I decided to do that, it would take me, I don't know, four to five hours a day. So, I mean, just the amount of time well, no, you must be spent doing that. I'm very impressed. It's once a week. You get to the point of no return where once you start doing it, you can't stop doing it because it grows in even, even itchier. Uh, and so I will have to do this for the rest. I started doing it in college, and I will have to do it for the rest of my life because after about three or four days, like I want to just – I want to claw my shirt off because I'm so – I get so itchy if I haven't shaved. So I'm, I'm, I'm just what, sort of in the mud with this. I'm done. I have to do it. What you don't know is that Rick in Santa Cruz right now is offering a trade where he's going to send your uh, chest hair to Milwaukee straight up for Antetokounmpo. So, I mean, it's, it's a good deal, man, and, and hopefully it'll, it'll play off. Well. <laughs> so what warriors do something that uh, – do we think what, – so what's exactly the question? That they do – of this Warriors roster, what yeah. player does the strangest shit on their own? You know, it's like my, my gaze, like Wiggins, and not because I actually think he does straight things or strange things. I think he like stands motionless in a room until somebody comes and, and interacts with him. You're like a toy that's been left, uh, <laughs> been left off. I can see Smiley doing weird things that like. Oh, yeah, he's still on the team right now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And like he's like training an aardvark currently or something, you know, and like and I wouldn't be surprised to hear that. But my big guy um, who I'm picking out is Clay. And it's not because of guesses. It's because of things we've actually heard. Like, I remember reading that he shot a bow and arrow in a frat house when he was That's still right. in college. Uh, yep. I remember seeing images of him, like, randomly kayaking right now in this last offseason or, like, jumping into the bay for God knows what reason. So uh, the, the caveat would be Clay has turned his personality into a cult. So we no longer view these things as strange. We just view them as, oh, he signed a toaster. Awesome. But anybody else did these things on their own, we would think they're strange. So that's my guy. I, I think he's probably doing the weirdest things. I've got two answers to this. And I've got one that I just want to briefly gloss over because I don't want to get into it. And then I've got one where I think we can have a little bit more fun with it. Um, the answer is absolutely 100% without a doubt, Kelly Oubre. Okay? We don't know <laughs> anything about this dude. He is a weird mf'er and i think there might be things that we just don't like whereas clay it's kind of lighthearted and fun i think with kelly Oubre, we don't want to know like we don't like he probably runs some sort of like gothic church or something like i don't even like <laughs> it's like some sort of weird cult in his spare time that everybody has to wear like flannel and ripped jeans like i don't even know like i don't even want to go down that rabbit hole uh the answer is the other answer that i have is damian lee because I don't think it can be any of the young people. I don't think it could be Smiley Gage. I Well, maybe it could be Smiley Gage because whatever. They could do weird stuff. Um, but like a guy like Nico Mannion, Jordan Poole, like I don't know. Maybe I'm just the old millennial in the room. But I don't think that these Gen Zers do anything all that interesting. I think they just sort of watch YouTube and do what their job is and that, or go to school and that's it. Like, you know, the Gen Zers that I know in my life, like they don't have that all in, that, that much, many interesting hobbies. Uh, even though my brother is technically a Gen Zer, I think, and he took up woodworking for a year, so that was weird. But um, Damian Lee is like that that uh, borderline kind of millennial age, 
And I think that he's spent so much time kind of toiling through the G League and not having a ton of money. And he still doesn't have like a ton of money compared to a guy like Steph, but he's a millionaire now. And I think with that kind of money, even though it's not a ton of money, that he can't just entertain himself by flying his private jet to Barbados and just taking a vacation. That, uh, but he has enough money to buy stuff. So, like to me, Damian Lee might—he might like own a koi pond, right? Like that's something I could see him <laughs> doing, just for fun, and like got really into feeding the koi fish. And ha- they—they're all—they all have names and personalities and favorite foods and all these things, like something like that. I can imagine him doing. And he's written like children books about them. Um, I'll, I'll start with Kelly Oubre. I'd be careful on taking too many shots at him because if there's anybody on this Golden State roster who will 100% support your chest shaving, it is Kelly Oubre. So I mean, you, you know, you may want to you may want to keep him on your roster here. And then as far as Davies Lee, I agree with you, and I'm going to take it a step further. And this is just me being personal. If I'm Damian Lee and I am so tired of people viewing me because of who I am family with, right? I don't want to be known as a brother-in-law anymore. I'm fucking tired of that. And my basketball talent hasn't dictated another personality that I'm picking up some kind of a weirdo hobby that would, you know, I'm telling people right. I'm teaching a snake how to sing or something. <laughs> I'm, I'm building, you know, like a maze for hamsters, like something so that when they hear that, that's what they think of me from here on out. You know, hopefully you knock out the, oh, that's Steph's boy to that's the snake singer, you know, like something <laughs> like that. I can see him going down that path. Definitely not golfing. That's not one of the things he's picking up. Um, all right. Those are all of our questions. Let's open it up briefly for a Q&A. Uh, first one in gets the first and only question. We'll, and if you want to ask a question, just request to speak here on the locker room app. Uh, we'll give it a couple of moments here. But uh, while we wait, if anybody wants to ask a question, just request to speak here on the locker room app and we'll get to you. Uh, do we have any I, – I forgot one other ridiculous name while we're waiting here for our final question, Bram. Um, Marcus Smart. Don't see why trade the Celtics wise. would. I don't see why the Celtics would trade Marcus Smart to to the Warriors. I think if they were to, for a draft pick, I think that if they were to move Marcus Smart, it would be for a superior player, somebody who fits better, and the Warriors just don't have that player. Yeah, I mean, I am. I agree with you. Um, I'm not sure what the hell Boston's going to do at this stage, but I don't think that that's a realistic trade target at all. And I'll throw out to encourage people kind of conversational whiplash, but if we're waiting for it anyways, if you are listening to this and would like to participate, actually fire off a question for us Um, next week, for example, what you want to do is download the locker room app, look for Wes and I, uh, and then you can participate with us. Hopefully we'll be back next Thursday. Next Thursday is the plan. We'll wrap it up here, Bram. Thanks, as always, uh, for taking some time out of your busy day and watching people pee on your window. Um, I know that this was not easy for you, so it's much appreciated. <laughs> you know, this this therapy session, the conversation, everything helped me through it. The pleasure is mine, Wes. Love this. Let's, uh, let's do it again next week. Sounds good.